But first, scientists in a California lab made history this month in harnessing nuclear energy. Nearly 200 lasers were used to fuse atomic particles together and create energy. While it's not quite enough to move toward that clean energy source, it's an exciting global first. So joining us now with details on the achievement is Evan Halper, Washington Post business reporter covering the energy transition. Welcome to Reset, Evan. Hi, good afternoon. This sounds like a big deal, Evan. So talk about how wild this achievement is. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. This is something scientists have been chasing since the 1950s. The idea of being able to take two atoms and bring them together at such high velocity and high temperature that you're essentially replicating the reaction um, on the sun or in the stars. And it's called nuclear fusion. And if you could do that at scale and create power plants that could run on this kind of power, it brings with it all kinds of benefits. Um, it doesn't have the kind of radioactivity of traditional nuclear fission plants, which are what we have now. Um, it doesn't have air pollution. Um, it, you know, it can go 24-7, unlike um, wind and solar power. But, of course, the complicating factor is bringing that up to scale is a massive undertaking, um, you know, involving tremendous costs, something that scientists have been trying to do for years And while, you know, this was a big step, the other day we're still looking at, you know, being a decade or decades away from being able to harness this as electricity. Yeah. Well, as you said, it's a massive undertaking. And this is the first time that anyone created a net energy gain. How much of a gain was it? It was a pretty small gain. I mean, it was, you know, so basically for the three units of energy, so rather the uh, two units of energy that went in, Three came out, and that sounds pretty good, except that it took a um, an array of lasers that are the size of like three football fields, you know, just firing constantly at this little pellet um, to to create this this fusion reaction. That that laser costs three point five billion dollars, um, you know, and they had that net gain for just just like a second okay. to make that to actually create power enough to just create be creating that gain over and over and over again. So you're saying achieving nuclear fusion would be able to create clean energy? That's a game changer. Yeah, if you could, exactly. I mean, if you could, if you could create that kind of net energy gain, like over and over and over again, and yeah. do it steadily, um, you would have an abundant, clean, um, relatively cheap source of power. The, the problem is creating the net energy gain right now just requires such expensive equipment. Um, it's so hard to do, and when they create the gain, because it's at temperatures, you got to get. You're talking about temperatures like, you know, equaling the core of the sun. Mm-hmm. It tends to just break the equipment once the gain happens. Oh, I see. So I was a little nervous learning this news, Evan. My mind immediately goes to sort of how devastating nuclear bombs have been. How is this breakthrough different? Is it easier to control? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because the the fusion program has often been about nuclear weapons. You know, I mean, proponents of it will say the whole point of fusion for the U.S. is to be able to take its nuclear weapon stockpile. And if they can reach this kind of net gain and use these fusion experiments, you could actually um, manage the stockpile without having to have tests, without having to blow up nuclear bombs. And obviously, every time you you know you you have a nuclear test, there's fallout, and mm-hmm. so being able to do that, uh, manage the stockpile without that kind of fallout, that's a benefit. 
But, you know, anytime you start messing around with nuclear energy, people get nervous. Um, yeah. And but this is this is sort of said to be a kind of nuclear energy that unlike fission, which is traditional in nuclear energy, this can be done without the, you know, massive amounts of radioactive waste where, you know, we, we don't even know where to store it because mm-hmm. it doesn't create that radioactive waste. It does have some radiation, but it's more on the in lines of like what you'd see in like a big medical facility. Can we say it's safer than the process of creating, you know, nuclear bombs? I mean, if you're talking about creating it for energy, most absolutely. It's, it, you know, if if you want to create energy using fusion, it's, you know, imminently safer than the, the traditional form of creating nuclear energy right now. How is the science community reacting to all of this? It's interesting. There's, you know, there's kind of a mixed reaction. Some scientists who are involved in fusion Many of them are just saying, this is a breakthrough. This is a really big deal. We've been trying to do this for decades, and now we can move into the next stage. Others are saying, if you look at the practical issues involved with trying to turn this into energy, we are still such a long way off. You have to separate the practical applications of this from you know, a scientific experiment. And for a science experiment, there, you know, there's a lot of people who've been studying this to be excited about. But if you're looking at it from a practical standpoint, you know, even the most optimistic scientists are saying, like those at the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory in California where this happened, you know, they, they said yesterday, the director of the lab, we're looking at, you know, several decades. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she said not 50 years like we used to talk about, but we're still not, you know, two or three years away from being able to turn this into energy. Yeah, instead of 50, maybe 40, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so does, does this break with uh, the first law of thermodynamics? As people who remember their high school science class, they might be thinking, wait, I thought energy couldn't be created or destroyed, just changed. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to break a lot of conventions, a lot of rules we've come to understand. I mean, a lot of people have given up on this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of these things they call it the holy grail that scientists have been chasing, and we've spent a lot of money pursuing this. I mean, like tens and tens of billions of dollars. And, you know, there's a lot of thinking, like, it just you just can't do it. I mean, you can't, how are you going to replicate the reaction in the sun or the stars and create all this energy that's sort of self-sustaining? It just, it just seems like a, a fairy tale. Um, so it, it does sort of break a lot of rules, um, the fact that they were able to do this. But again, you know, it will, will it serve any practical purposes in our lifetime? Hopefully, but we'll see. Yeah. And we, we talked about how the science community is feeling about it all. But what about environmentalists? How are they reacting to this? prospect of a clean energy source? You're sort of seeing different reactions. I mean, from a climate change perspective, the challenge here is, uh, you know, as you know, over the next, you know, in this decade, we have so much work to do to stop warming and keep keep it at, you know, that 1.5 degrees Celsius that scientists say is like the level at which if the planet warms more than that, um, you know, you're talking about much worse climate chaos than, than, than could otherwise happen. And so this is an invention that's not going to come online, you know, for 10, 20, 30 years. And so in that, at that crucial moment, um, it's, it's probably not going to be there to, to sort of be a substitute for other forms of energy. But, you know, global warming probably is not going to be going away. And even if this comes online in 2050, any new energy source, uh, you know, that's clean and doesn't contribute to warming is will probably be welcome then. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this earlier, Evan, but but talk more about how much the U.S. invested in this research. So this particular lab, for example, um, the laser cost went up costing $3.5 billion. It was yeah. supposed to be a billion dollars, and then there were just cost overruns and there were delays. 
Um, there are also private companies now that have invested something like $5 billion into, you know, I, I think there's a private capital commitments in, in 30 private companies that are pursuing trying to build a fusion power plant. Um, but this project in Europe, where uh, in southern France, where they're also pursuing fusion, and it's kind of an international, lots of countries are involved. They're saying, you know, that's a $23 billion project, but the Department of Energy did its own estimates, and they said that that project's already heading toward costing $65 billion. So, wow. you know, that's that's a lot of money. Um, on the other hand, one nuclear scientist pointed out to me, we spend more than a trillion dollars a year in the U.S. alone on energy. And if this could really be a transformational invention, is it not worth, if the U.S. could take the lead on it, making those kinds of investments uh, rather than letting some other country dominate this space? This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Evan Halper from The Washington Post about uh, a recent breakthrough in harnessing nuclear fusion as a clean energy source. So help us understand, uh, Evan, this method used lasers, but there have been other attempts at generating fusion with other methods, right? So talk about those and and how close those attempts got at a, a net positive energy gain. Yeah, it's interesting because this laser um, uh, process, it was it was sort of thought that that wasn't where this was going to happen because all of the innovation lately, a lot of it has been focused on these kind of donut-shaped um, uh, machinery that, that just, you know, spins like crazy fast because you need to you need to get so much force to get the atoms to smash together and create this reaction. And so there was a lot of thinking that it wasn't going to be lasers that did it. It was going to be this, you know, this, this other technology. Um, but it, basically there, these different technologies are being tried because nobody knows, okay, you know, they wanted to create the net gain, but beyond creating the net gain, it's like, how can we harness this? How can we continue these net gains, like I said before, there needs to be like, you know, a net gain every second. Yeah. And it may ultimately not be lasers that uh, is a technology that wins out and turns this into electricity. We talked about costs a moment ago, and we, we know, Evan, that when science is funded well, breakthroughs happen, right? So are, are scientists hopeful that this success would mean more funding eventually? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part of the reason why we saw Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm make a very big deal of this yesterday. They, you know, they they had all the scientists come out. They had a big media event. The Biden administration is very focused on take on on, on the U.S. dominating some of these next generation technologies. And I think there's a thinking that uh, you know this country made investments in some of the earlier clean power technologies, and we were at the forefront. And then we backed away because there were complaints things were getting too expensive or, you know, there'd be a scandal here or some project would fall apart or some company would go bankrupt and there'd be a lot of headlines. And then what happened was, you know, with solar, for example, China just invested you know, $50 billion from the government in, in pushing it forward and they came to dominate the space. And now mm-hmm. most solar panels are made in China and we're trying to get that back. Um, same thing with critical minerals for, uh, you know, electric car batteries or batteries for storage for the grid. Um, the U.S. was behind the eight ball on that, and China dominates a lot of um, those resources. And so with the Inflation Reduction Act, which passed over the summer, which had a lot of money for climate and incentives, the thinking is, OK, how can we move these innovations back to the U.S.? And the Biden administration is saying this message of, like there needs to be what they call a lot of shots on goal. They need to be investing in lots of things. They're not all going to work out. But even if just you know one of them works out in a big way, it could change the world. and 
the government needs to stay focused on this and needs to keep investing. That's the administration's point of view. Mm -hmm. Well, what will you be looking for as this technology advances, Evan? So we'll be watching these companies that are investing. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, when the lab itself is saying we could be decades away, that we, you know, we still have billions of dollars of private capital coming in. Um, and we'll be looking to see what other countries are doing. We'll be looking to see if they can replicate this. Um, you know, th- this was a big deal that they got this net gain, but it also took so much energy to power this laser that, you know, when you, when you, when you factor in all those numbers, it's like, okay, it still seems like we are a far ways off. So, I'll be watching to see, is is fusion really going to be the next big thing in clean power? Other people are, you know, there's a technology called green hydrogen um, that's got a lot of interest and a lot of investment. Uh, you know, there's there's traditional nuclear fission where they're trying to take these plants but make them um, lighter and more nimble and run on a lot less plutonium or uranium, rather, um, and thus creating a lot less waste. And so there's there's all of these technologies that are getting big government incentives, investments right now, and also private investments. And yeah. I guess I'll be watching to see you know where Fusion lines up in all this. Be interesting. Evan Halper is the Washington Post business reporter covering the energy transition. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.